Coming to you live from my apartment. It's Rob as a podcast, and now here's the guy who has never been accused of giving anyone a manly handshake. It's Rob Sisternino. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Rob Has a Podcast. I am Rob Sisternino, and uh, we have a very exciting show uh, for you guys here today. Yes, this Matt Singh tribe is a disaster. I haven't seen a team this dysfunctional since I watched the Jet game on Sunday. It has gotten so bad that even the tribe's canoe has gone off and quit. That's how bad things have gotten. The Matt Singh tribe has been a disaster. We're going to explore all of that, talk about what's going on with Penner and Jeff Kent and with Mike Scoopin and his crazy tribe. And we're going to do it all with uh, one of my favorite guests from last season. His name is Adas Abushkalkis, and he is the winner of Survivor Exile Island. We're going to bring him up in uh, just a bit. This morning, I had a very nice conversation with Angie Layton, and if you missed that, you can check that out at robhasawebsite.com. And I also spoke with Stephen Fishback on Wednesday night, right after the episode live. We talked about everything that happened and debated all of the hot topics, had a very fierce debate, and that you can check that out also on robhasawebsite.com. Thank you guys so much for all of your support this past month. September 2012 has been the biggest month in the history of Rob Has a Podcast. Rob Has a Website. We had our most traffic ever uh, in September 2012. So thank you guys for keep coming back to the website. Keep coming back and getting these podcasts. I love making them. I love filling up your iPhone with junk uh, and filling up your with all these podcasts. And uh, just a reminder, speaking of iPhones... For all you Apple people out there, you're going to want to make sure you have the new podcasts app downloaded to make sure you don't miss a beat with any of your podcasts. And as you know, if you're not getting the podcast through the podcast app, go to the iTunes music store, go to robhasawebsite.com slash iTunes and make sure that you're subscribed. And if you want, leave us some comments and uh, ratings and we always appreciate it. And we're about to go in and do our full-length Survivor interview. At any point during the podcast, you think of anything that you might need, don't be afraid to check out Amazon.com. Go through RobHasAWebsite.com slash Amazon. Treat yourself to something nice while you listen. Use our link, and we get a little commission help support the podcast. The lifeblood of Rob Has a Podcast. All right, so now I want to bring in a man who uh, made his Rob Has a Podcast debut last season to critical and mass acclaim. He's back this season to talk about what's going on on Survivor Philippines. He is the winner of Survivor Exile Island, and I'm going to say his name correctly. It's Adas Bushkaukis. Wow. Rob, you knocked it out of the park. I I tried it. Uh, Adas, welcome back. Thank you so much, Rob. Thanks for having me again. Oh, great. Great to have you back. You had a sensational debut. I hope you do not have a sophomore slump here. Yeah, I'm a little nervous, to be perfectly honest. I I hope I don't uh, disappoint the minions. I hope your return to Rob Has a Podcast goes better than Russell Swan's return to Survivor. An impressive return, no less. (laughs) Yes. Um, But strangely enough, despite the way that he's playing the game, I feel like he's in a really good spot now with Malcolm and Denise. The three mm-hmm. of them, they have strength, they have wit, and, and as you well know, anytime you're in an isolated group like that, you're going to form a bond that has the potential to make its way deep into the game, and 
if there's one thing that Russell isn't, he's not exactly a great strategic player. So I think Malcolm and Denise will pick up on that and choose him as someone they want to ally with and someone they can trust. Well, going forward, if he can somehow last another three days on the island, you kind of get the sense that Russell Swan could come back from this because you would figure they're going to mix the tribes up at some point. So you would think he's going, if he can, he made it through this, he might just be in it for the long haul now that he's there and nobody's going to say, oh, we got to get out Russell Swan. Exactly. Exactly. If if they can make it through an immunity challenge without finishing dead last, he has a chance. But that that has to happen, you know, a couple times in a row for him to be all right. Yeah. As a former player, I mean, what has been your take on Russell Swan? Is he just woefully unprepared for this season? What's your take on this with your yeah, expert I, you eye? Know, I think it's a, I think it's a perfect storm. You know, first of all, he comes back um, as a returning player, and um, I think that that. I, I can't imagine how being a returning player coming back and playing with people who haven't played, how that doesn't feed your ego a little bit as being someone who knows a little bit more. And he already has that kind of personality where he wants to take the lead. Um, so, you know, it's this perfect storm for Russell where, where he, he feels like he is, is, is maybe, I, don't, I, I can't get into his head, so I can't say whether or not he feels like he's superior. But it, 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 he comes off as feeling as if he knows more than the rest of his tribe, which really feeds his need to be the leader. And, and that's not helping him in his game at all. Um, but, yeah, I, I didn't really get a good feel for Russell Swan as a player in Survivor his first season. Um, I, I got him as, as someone who competes in challenges and someone who can organize a tribe in terms of survival, but I, I've never really seen, as a, seen him as a strategic player, and I'm not getting that this season either. Could you talk a little bit about your take on leadership in a Survivor tribe? Because you played Survivor in, you know, sort of an odd season where there was not one traditional person who was the leader. I mean, there was between yourself and then, of course, you had Shane and, of course, you had Terry and, of course, you had Sari also. And, yes, yeah, so you had four pretty strong personalities in there and not necessarily one leader of the tribe. Uh, what is that like for a tribe? Well, man, it's, it's really challenging. You know, it's really challenging when you get out there. For, for those of you who are listening and have never been out there, um, to, to balance um, that, that, uh, the need to actually get things done in a tribe um, and then the, the desire not to step on toes and to ostracize yourself, right? So in any organization, you need leadership in order to get things done. Very rarely do you see, um, you know, everybody stepping forward with the same amount of effort. And certainly on Survivor, that doesn't happen. Um, people do have to step up. But I think as, as someone who's played it before, what I found worked, worked really well was to try to compartmentalize where there was leadership happening, right? So to agree, okay, I'll be the leader in challenges and take on that responsibility, but make sure that it's very clear that that's where it's happening. Um, and, you know, for me, that, that's what happened in my season. I, I was the leader for our tribe in challenges. And um, as a leader, it, it, obviously there's a lot of pressure um, because, you know, if you don't do well, you can become a scapegoat. So I think the key is, is to listen, you know, and I think that's something that Russell hasn't been doing very well. Um, specifically in challenges, asking his tribe mates who's good at what. Um, but he did listen pretty well last episode, I thought. He did hear Angie say, I can't. Um, and Angie tried to convince the rest of her tribe that she didn't say that. But on further review, thank you, TiVo, um, you do see her, hear her saying, I can't do it. Um, and Russell did hear that. Yes. Uh, most definitely. And I almost forgot out of the leadership equation, uh, Double D, Danielle DiLorenzo. 
yeah, natu- yeah it, another born leader. Yeah, so we had a lot on our season. We had a lot of, uh, of people vying for the spotlight. You know? yeah. um, I, I, I thought that um, Malcolm did a pretty good job early in his season where when uh, he shows Russell basically how to make fire and then lets Russell take the spotlight. I thought that was a really uh, well, well uh, executed uh, leadership strategy. Yeah. Now, in a little bit of our emails uh, before we came to do this podcast, you said you were very taken with Angie's answer at Tribal Council last week. I thought it was fantastic. The cookie answer? You loved it. And not just because you love cookies. And this is coming from somebody. On our season, Jeff asked Courtney. She said, what could Bob Dog be doing better around camp? And Courtney took the bait, and she said, Bob Dog could be hanging out more with us. An honest answer, I don't know if I agree with the answer, but it was her honest answer. And that started a firestorm of an argument that lasted for 15 days in our tribe. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that when I watched Angie answer that question, she paused a bit. And it seemed like she was taking in, do I want to answer this honestly, or do I want to answer this in the way that Jeff wants me to answer it, or do I want to answer this in a way that's going to be non-provocative? And I thought she did that with cookies. You know, she could have said, blah, 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 could be doing this better or this better, but she didn't. And, and it's true, when you're out there, cookies, does, it does sound quite delicious. Or here. There's, they sound delicious anywhere. But I will, I will disagree with you. While I agree fundamentally with your point that it was a brilliant non-answer, I disagree about the premise that it was a strategic answer. Well, you know, here's the interesting. I might agree with you on that one too, Rob, um, given uh, what I've seen from this episode. But I found that in, in, in my experience on Survivor, the times where I wasn't being consciously strategic were actually times that were the most beneficial. And sometimes when I was consciously being strategic, that came back to bite me in the butt. Um, and I think that, that that's kind of a testament for, to just how dynamic the game of Survivor is. You know, as much as you'd like to cognize what's happening and figure it out, it's, it's way grander than any single mind can comprehend. And oftentimes, hmm. when you're out there, you think you're making a smart play, and you're actually shooting yourself in the foot. And then oftentimes, you make a mistake, and that turns out to become a big benefit. Like, if Angie would have survived this vote, she would have set herself up in the minds of her tribesmate as someone who's not a strategic thinker with that answer. And maybe she is a strategic thinker, and maybe it was just a bad response, Right. Um, so you never know with the game when you think you're being strategic, oftentimes you're, you're only digging your own grave. Uh, that's a very fair point, Otis, that I would have to say that somebody maybe like myself might be out there on survival. Like, oh, I got to come up with the perfect answer. I got to, you know, oh, I gotta see how many things could I, you know, uh, make sure I have my finger on the pulse of, make sure I'm doing the right thing at the right time. But then you have somebody like Fabio or like an Angie could do very well in this game, just sort of being, you know, in the, uh, you know, answering the right thing at the right time, you know, just going, going with the flow, which is something yeah. that Scoopin actually pointed out early in the game um, about how he wanted to play, which was let the game decide where you go. Um, and you kind of see Lisa talking about that a little bit as well um, in her on the fly interviews. Yeah. Very interesting. Uh, so, have you seen enough of this Matt Singh tribe, or are you still fascinated with you want to see more of them and how it plays out next week? You know what? I, my gut tells me that they have re- – it's, it's a reduction now, and <laughs> the reduction, and it's the best of the best of this tribe. And I feel like the three of them are going to be able to compete in whatever challenge comes next and not, not face any more internal drama. I think at this point, if the next one to go would obviously be Russell. So 
I'm ready to I'm ready to see some other tribes implode. Yeah, it, the other tribes are very interesting. Probably almost even more compelling at this point. This is sort of like a sad case of almost like a Stephanie Lagrosa type uh, circumstance here now for Malcolm and for Denise. It's like when bad tribes happen to good people. And right, so we, we, exactly. we, we feel very bad for them, and we want, we want them to win something, that they've become such a loser tribe. And I think we all like Malcolm and Denise. They're very popular. Yeah, yeah. They're, 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 uh, they're a good combination. They're a good team. Um, Malcolm, obviously, very handsome, Tarzan-esque. And I, I don't, I'm not referring to last season's contestant. Not Greg um, Tarzan. By the way, I, I, when I watch Survivor, it's the little things that really make me giddy. And if you go back to this last episode and you look at Denise's face while Angie, while Angie's struggling to get that piece out of the water, it's priceless. I love her face. So I, just for you, Rob, go back and check that out. It's fantastic. <laughs> it's my favorite moment of the episode. I will have to go back and check that out for Denise's face. And Denise was my Denise was my early favorite. She's who I picked from the start. Me too. I, I really like Denise. I think that uh, she she stands a good chance of going far. And I think you know I think that's for a number of reasons. One, she's got a good head on her shoulders. But two, um, and obviously we don't know how things are going to play out. But when you get to the merge, she doesn't stand out as a as a major physical threat. Whereas someone like Russell or a Scoopin or even a Pete or a Peter, as I like to refer to them, they're going to they're going to struggle formal. at the merge. Yeah, yeah, well, we don't know him well enough to call him Pete, in my opinion. I think he's still Peter. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I, I, I made the point uh, last night with uh, Steven uh, that we, uh, if, you, if you know or if, if, if you don't know, uh, we do a live uh, recap after the show, a post-game show, the Survivor Know-It-Alls. Uh, Ooh, the I two like guys, that. The two guys who know everything about Survivor except how to win. Uh, myself and myself and Stephen Fishback, uh, we were talking about this about how Denise is in a good spot because yeah, nobody's ever going to say, well, we've got to get rid of Denise now, unless they're just getting pagonged. She's on the wrong side of the numbers. Like right. I feel like she could be around for a while. Yeah, exactly. And you got to figure that the, that the producers probably have some kind of merge happening pretty soon, knowing that they're tribes of six. So what about the goon squad uh, that Malcolm refers to his tribe as and how they have a team of losers? Now, you were sort of on the opposite side of that, that you were on a, te- a tribe that would win all the time. Uh, did you get any sense of it, how frustrating it was for somebody like Terry to be you know, the best guy on a team that was losing a lot? Yeah, well, okay. Well, on our season, actually, we lost, I think, four in a row to begin or three challenges in a row to start with. So I did get that sense of... Uh, frustration that he's talking about um, and do have an idea of how that feels. It, it's a hopeless feeling when you're not winning and, and you can't really put your finger on why you're not winning. It, it, it's really frustrating, but I think, um, I think Malcolm probably has a better sense of why he's not winning. And I think he identified that because he's in a tribe of goons. Um, you know, it's, it, it's such a challenging thing out there though. As you very well know, um, the, the challenges are designed to test so many different aspects of, of, the, of the contestants. And, and, and there's no guarantee that you're going to come back the next challenge and win it again because they're, they're just such awkward movements that you end up doing out there. Yeah. Now, you started your game in small tribes. Tribes of – was it five that you started tribes off with? Tribes of four. Tribes oh, of my four. God. Oh, my yeah. God. That's insane. Uh, so what, can you speak to a little bit of what it's like to play the game in such a small tribe? I don't like it because I just feel like the vote is so predetermined before you go. It takes almost all the strategy out of the game as far as the vote goes. 
You know what? I don't feel like I'm a good expert in talking about this, Rob, because when, when we started the game, we started in four. And for me, I didn't really start playing the game until someone else got voted out, and it kind of kicked me in the butt, so to speak. I think when, when it was just four of us, I was more interested in making friendships mm-hmm. than making strategic you know, um, alliances. Uh, so I think that to be with just four people, the one thing that I do know is that you don't have a lot of wiggle room. And, and you do know that you could very easily be the one going home um, on any given night. But I think Malcolm and uh, Denise obviously have such a strong relationship. I don't think they need to worry about that. I think Russell is the, uh, he's the, the obvious next choice if they end up going back to, to visit with Jeffrey. <laughs> yeah, speaking of visiting with Jeffrey, uh, did you think that Jeffrey was giving uh, Malcolm the evil eye when because uh, I felt like he kind of was when Malcolm was talking about like, uh, Jeff, you know, during the first season of Survivor, I was 12 years old and I wanted to be a survivor. I feel like that stuff makes Jeff feel old. I don't think Jeff appreciates that. Yeah, I, I didn't pick up on that, but I'm going to have to go back and see if Jeff is having a little bit of a uh, a uh, anxiety attack with regard to his aging process. But, <laughs> I think so. I feel like it makes him feel old and he's like, uh, why are you bringing this up? Uh, but at the Tribal Council, what do you think of the performance between uh, Russell Swan and Angie at Tribal Council? Did you feel probably, like... Probably Russell Swan's best move yet in Survivor, in his two seasons on Survivor, was, was what he said to Angie, where he basically just laid to rest any notion that Angie offered any bit of physical um, physical uh, force out there in the challenges. And I, I know it was at the, at the expense of Angie, um, but that needed to happen. And, and you know, I, we don't know if, if they were clear on who they were voting for before Tribal Council. I'm probably sure they were. Um, but I think that uh, I thought that what Russell had to say was really, really very true, you know. He just he just called a spade a spade, um, and when it, poor Angie definitely took the brunt of that one. Yeah, it was a funny debate on both sides. I, I liked R- Russell's politicking, where he said uh, where they talked about the challenge and him diving un- under the water and coming back with nothing, and him saying, uh, "I made a strategic decision that I could not get any pieces, and that's why I came back." And uh, like really tried to spin that like in a positive way. That uh, this it was, was fantastic. It was as if he just watched Mitt Romney and Obama go at it. <laughs> yeah, it, <laughs> it was, was perfect. perfect timing for that episode. And then Angie, about thirty seconds after, I will not quit. Uh, she's uh, you know in tears, which uh, I thought that was, that was good too. And that that tickled me. Um, and I feel like for Angie, I think she she should have brought up the fact that, you know, Russell's talking about how he would die to be in this game. I don't know if that's such a, a great argument uh, that, you know, he would that he would and could die at any point. You know what? I think that Angie was pretty much um, just just trying to keep her head above water at that point. She was done. There was really nothing that she could have said that to, could have kept her around at tribal I think that Malcolm and Denise had it in their mind that in order for them to move forward, they need to start winning. And Angie doesn't really offer, at least what we saw from the episodes, didn't offer anything more than Russell had, and, and, and they needed his, his muscle. But what, here's what I did think was interesting. I thought that Russell could have made more of a play, and Russell could have really um, reinforced how good of an alliance mate he could have been to Angie and Malcolm moving forward. Um, and you didn't really hear him say that. Now we don't know if he did say it or didn't, based on the edit. But I was surprised he didn't that they didn't show us him show us him saying that. 
Uh, give me an example of what you would have him say. If I were him, I, you know, Malcolm, I forget who said it, Malcolm or Denise. I think, I think Denise said that, Jeff said, how important is loyalty at this point? And Denise said, it's huge. And I think that's when Russell could have stepped in and said, listen, if you guys keep me around, the three of us can stay together until this game goes all the way to the end. And he, he could have made that ass- assertion there. I think he could have brought up his that he's a man of faith and that's important to him. I, I think you know that might have been something that would have re- obviously wouldn't have resounded the being of faith to Denise. She's not into that, but it it definitely would have uh, um, it, it supported his his level of integrity and loyalty. So maybe Russell Swan needs to hire you as his speechwriter. Well, that's a thought. You know, I'm always looking for extra work. Winter hats aren't exactly flying off the shelves at this point in the year, so I do have some time. Well, like they <laughs> like they say in Westeros, winter is coming. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so it's snowing somewhere. It's snowing somewhere. That's right. So uh, for Russell Swan, yeah, it seemed like a a, a tough spot for him, and I almost feel like uh, to speak to your point about the loyalty thing. I wonder if they might have been better off to vote out Russell Swan and keep Angie because if like play play this out both ways, um, unless you unless you think production is going to uh, oolong them or whatever Stephanie's tribe was on Survivor Palau, unless you think Survivor is gonna like the production is gonna let them get down to one person for Malcolm and Denise, if you vote out Russell tonight and then keep Angie. You know Angie is never going to go and flip and go up with anybody else. You have Angie until the, until they day they put her torch out. She's with you guys. Right. So uh, even if you go to tribal council again, even if you lose for the fourth time and go to tribal council again, you still can vote out Angie next time. Whereas with Russell Swan, yeah, you might win a challenge, but now if they flip the numbers around, you could end up on the wrong side of the numbers that could absorb Russell Swan down the road. So Russell could be stay in this game and come back to bite you and say, hey, I remember all those times you guys were going to vote me out of uh, Matt Singh. I didn't forget about that. It's your turn now, Malcolm. It's your turn now, Denise. Yeah, and, and on the flip side of that argument is is Russell doesn't seem like the most strategic player in the game. He does seem like somebody, despite the fact that they might not have a strong uh, alliance with him right now, someone they could easily form that bond with over three days um, by themselves. And, 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 you know, if they were to keep Angie, Angie's weaknesses are only magnified as their tribe gets smaller because now their weakness is one-third of the tribe rather than one-fourth, which it was last episode, and one-fifth, which it was before that. And and I, I think they made the right decision personally. I think Russell Swan is somebody who um, who is tru- is trustworthy and somebody who you can you can form an alliance with. It. Now I think it's up to it behooves Malcolm and Denise now to really um, make inroads with Russell and, and a friendship. I think so too because I could totally see Russell like teaming up with one of the other returning players. Where if like Russell gets on the same tribe as Scoopin, I could see Russell and Scoopin getting together. I could see Russell. I mean, I could see Russell going to you know any shelter in a storm right now to anybody that'll take him in. I could see him uh, you know going against Malcolm and Denise. Yeah, and Scoopin's not not in a great position. It seems. Okay, well, let's talk about that tribe because uh, that's really tribe chaos. It's like. Basically, you have Penner and Kent in the, in the other tribe, and that sort of interesting dynamic. But 
that we know nothing else about the other four people in that group, but this is really <laughs> nothing <laughs> <laughs> in Tandang. Uh, it, it's really all over the place. You have really six uh, very uh, disparate personalities, and it's all uh, it's a social experiment gone wrong. People are fighting, but they've been winning the challenges. So uh, let's let's talk about uh, Scoop in here a bit. Yeah, you know, Scoopin started off strong. He had a, he had a lot of goodwill in his name, I think, um, and and it seemed like everybody was really into Scoopin. Um, but and, and and they haven't really showed any reason why people might start to get annoyed, except for Artis's comment about jumping in the water with his mask on. Yeah, um, and of course, the side mask note: would every break. time I hear Artis's name get called out, I, I my ears perk up because it's yeah. so similar to you know what people call me, which is Artis. Um, so it feels like I'm back on Survivor, which feels great. Um, <laughs> but anyways, yeah, I, 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 I don't understand. Maybe you could help me understand Rob, why Scoopin is, is experiencing this backlash from the people on his tribe. It seems yeah. like in 2012, we've reached a, a saturation point with the returning players where it seems like this new players are saying, Hey, enough of the returnees. It was one thing when you brought back Boston Rob and he went to the final two. It was one thing when you brought back Coach and he go- and he went to the final two. Uh, now, or the, fi- the final three in, in both their cases, and Boston Rob wins the game. Enough with the returning players. We're not going to just do what they tell them to. And, and we're going to draw a line in the sand of these returning players. Right. Yeah. I, I, we just don't see enough of, of scooping at camp to really understand what, what that dynamic is. Um, yeah. But we do see a lot of Abby. Yeah, Abby Maria. Fantastic. Good stuff. Yes. I, I, I can't follow where she's going, but I know she's going somewhere. So She's going somewhere. One of the more volatile personalities that we've seen on Survivor, that she's really just all over the place. Yeah, yeah. She's hot and cold. And, and um, you know what I think, though? I think that, and uh, pardon me if this comes off as misogynistic at all, but I think that her making this new alliance with Peter is going to help balance her out a lot more. I think that she does. It, it, it appears to me that she had a difficult time with, with RC because she's, a, you know, RC is another, um, uh, assertive female. And I don't think that she was really able to, to work with that. So, but I think her and Peter might actually, Peter is much calmer, much more docile, seemingly controllable. I think that that, that relationship might prove to be something that works for Abby Maria. Well, Abby Maria and RC were like fighting like a couple. Uh, yeah, over the it, it was really day. hard to watch. It was yeah. really, really hard to watch that. RC is like, uh, hey, do you want to go and look for the idol? Let's go. Uh, and, and No, I don't feel like it. Come on. Oh, what are you mad at me? Are you giving me attitude? Uh, yeah, it's like uh, the kind of like a conflict you would have with your girlfriend. Not that I would know what that's like. <laughs> yeah, no, you and you and your lady obviously don't have those issues, but um yeah, it was it was really strange to watch. Also, is this the season of knee injuries? Is that is, is that what Penner brought with him? Yes, yes. The, the Philippines are cursed for for knee injuries. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's 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 you know watching it the first episode. I, I I'm not sure if it was the first or the second when Abby and RC kind of made that alliance. That was something you kind of wanted to cheer for, and now you're watching it just absolutely implode, which is hard to watch. But you can't really turn away. Um, I think the producers were were pretty stoked about that all happening because it was certainly entertaining. And now it's it, they're they're so divergent. All these different alliances in that tribe. I can't wait for them to lose and see what happens. See where yeah. the fishers actually are. 
All right, well, here comes Pete this week, who we didn't really see in the first two episodes. Let's call him now, Peter. Let's give him that respect. Okay. We don't know him well enough yet. He's here only we go. Said four so lines here comes Peter. And now uh, Peter decides, okay, so he's sort of uh, got this thing going on with Abby Maria. Uh, and for whatever reason, he's he doesn't really care for R.C. or Scoopin. And it seems like he's got a little bit of a chip on his shoulder, Peter does, correct? Yeah, it, Peter, first of all, he wears that hoodie very well. And um, secondly, uh, it's really hard to get a read on Peter because he hasn't spoken much. And so we don't know. We haven't been shown enough of his relationship with Scoopin to understand why he wants Scoopin out. Um, but he does seem to have something against Scoopin. Uh, it, it, we, we don't know why. And this is, this is my one problem with the season and breaking out into three tribes for this many episodes is there's so much information that we're not being shown. Yes, it you is. Know? So much going on, and I'm sure, at least in your season with Four Tribes, what they look at that, one episode or two episodes? One episode, four one episode, yeah. all right, let's get out of that, and let's get back to something that's more uh, watchable. Not that it's not watchable, but it just, I, just, I just want more. I want more out of these three days than I'm getting. Yeah, absolutely. And so, for Peter, it almost feels like that, oh, uh, well, I'm not the one in charge, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to vote out Mike Scoopin. That might be it. That might be it. But here's the thing you have to understand is that Peter has been a model. He's been a nerd. He's been a jock. He's been head of the class. So Peter's done it all. And if you don't know what I'm referencing, Rob, watch the introduction videos again. Yeah, it's a bit, it's a bit much. The, uh, P- Peter loves Peter, I would have to yeah, say. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm getting to is that I, I, I do think that Peter probably has a difficult time not being the man. Now, all this being said... We don't know much of him, so it's hard to see. Yeah. Um, so that's what's going on with, with Peter. And do you think that the idol now, that it's in the hands of Abi Maria, do you think that this is a shared idol situation, or is it strictly Abi Maria's idol? I have a hard time seeing Abi Maria being willing to part ways with her idol. Um, given her volatility, I don't see her. Uh, but you never know. Maybe maybe she's on a on a, a warm day and she's feeling good, maybe. She offers it up to somebody. Um, but you know what's really interesting is, is on the one hand of this tribe, you have Abi Maria who, and, and R.C. and Peter, who are both, all three of them, they're very domineering in their own ways. And then you have Lisa, who is, is the antithetical Abi Maria, who is, is, is just going with the flow of this game almost to the point of um, getting herself you know, completely forgotten about. And, and, and had they lost two episodes ago, she might've gone home. Um, but she's, she's almost willing to take no responsibility for her fate in the game. It seems. Yeah. And the longer she lasts in the game, the further she's going to get in the game. I know it sounds like it's obvious, but if she makes it to the merge, Lisa, they're never voting her out. I mean, she's there. Yeah, to, she's what? in the final four. If, if exactly. she gets to the merge. Exactly. There's too many, there's too many physical threats out there. Um, and, and she also, you know, she clearly has a, a, a mind that's reflective and, and looks at the numbers, but she doesn't have those conversations with her tribe mates. And I think that that probably calms her tribe mates a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but what doesn't calm her tribe mates is when she goes off by herself to cry underneath the wishing well, that doesn't, <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't do well uh, now, for her tribe mates. Otis, uh, were you a fan of the facts of life or is it a little before your time? You know what? It wasn't before my time, but it was just not a show that I was really that into. Yeah. I would have to say I was not a – it was like a little before my time. I remember it being on, and I think my uh, – at least my mom would probably watched it. I mean I don't remember like uh, – like I, re- I remember it towards the tail end of it, but 
Oh, I think yeah. I think you and I are right around the same era. It was on, but it was probably at the tail end of it, and it just wasn't that. It wasn't Transformers was bigger for me yeah. in my in my age group. The other thing, hurting facts of life, didn't have the big syndication run where it was never on at like you know seven o'clock at night, like in reruns or anything like that. It was on, you know, and it didn't have the like the big five night a week run. Right, exactly. It never got it never got to that point. Yeah. The syndication never happened really. Yeah, Lisa Welchel, she's always she's always just coming up short. Always coming up short. But I, you know, I do like Lisa. I, I think Lisa has a good chance in this game, and for for the reasons that you've already identified, um, uh, her, her 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 game is is very uh, non threatening. And and I think in Survivor, if you can get past the first few days with a non threatening game, you stand a good chance to go far. Yeah, and I think the weather was a big factor in her early sort of meltdown, where the rain just can destroy people. And I think for her coming into the game right away, I think it was just overwhelming to be on Survivor, overwhelming just the way that the rain started. And now that the rain has sort of subsided for a few days, we're seeing her start to catch her breath. And I think that she, you know, starting to feel like she has her legs under her for the first time. Yeah, exactly. And they're at day eight or day nine now. Yeah, I think it's eight. And, and I, you know, for me, in my experience, when I got to about day nine, that's where I kind of hit rock bottom physically and, and, and had, you know, really had a big breakdown in terms of my level of discomfort. And that's when things started to turn around where I got really accustomed to being out there. And I, I'm sure, oh, those, sorry about that. Those contestants are going to have a similar experience. Yeah, what's that? Are you, uh, are you driving? Is that navigation? No, that was my Avast virus database. It's time to uh, re-up on my security for this computer. Wow. So if you're Look planning you. on breaking through my firewall, today's the day. Vulnerability. World. Exactly. <laughs> at, at Tundra Gear, yeah. Yeah, um, exactly. <laughs> so uh, let's see. Uh, it was, is there anything else from uh, the Tan Dang you want to hit on before we uh, jump into Scoop in a little bit? No, I think that's uh, Or I think, Penner? Tandang's been covered pretty well. Yeah. Penner, okay. Penner, and uh, Penner and 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 Kent. I like that. I like what's happening there. Yeah, very interesting sort of dynamic with uh, Penner and with uh, Jeff Kent. Now, Penner is sort of a, a contemporary of yours from a Survivor era gone by, right? Did you get? Yeah, yeah, he was the season after me. Yeah. So did you, I mean, I feel like you get to tend to know the people who played around you like a season before, season after. Uh, do you know Penner at all? I do. I do know Penner. I don't know him very well. Um, we've run into each other in Los Angeles a few times. Um, good guy, family guy, but obviously very conniving. Um, and not, not with regards to real life, but with Survivor. Yes, I would, I would uh, say so. And, you know, and, and, and it's, it's really interesting to watch what they've shared, what they've shown of Penner, because really up until this episode, it was all about him finding that idol. Yes. Um, and that was his, his main focus. Um, but it doesn't seem like Penner with the exception of one scene, this last episode has really tried to assert himself as the, Hey, I've been here before guy. Yes. Very interesting. So it was all about finding the idol. And now that he has the idol, now the idol did not loom particularly large in uh your season correct it was sort of like uh, right well you had to be first of all you had to be sent to exile island to look for it in the first place yeah and then by the time i got to exile island it was pretty clear that um that mr deets had found it yeah and so i i don't remember off the top of my head was that a was it a big deal that terry had the idol or sort of just like oh uh, yeah no it was a huge deal you because the idol was way more powerful on his season as well you didn't have to play the idol until the votes were read Mm mm-hmm 
which I mean, it's, and, and so it ended up being so powerful that it didn't even need to get played. Yeah. Okay. And that's, I think our season, it didn't get played. That's why they made that adjustment to the rule that you had to use it before the votes got counted. Yeah. And you, you were, you were before Penner or you were after Penner? I was before Penner. Before I was a season Penner. before Penner. Okay. Yeah. And then Yule, really, then he like uh, capitalized on this. And then that's when they had to make the change once Yule started, you know, really using it as an offensive weapon. Right, exactly. Um, so then Penner, it seems like he's taking a page out of Yule's book here with how he's trying to go about uh, the use of the idol because he grabs, he grabs uh, Jeff Kent and tells him, uh, just so you know, I have an immunity idol and I may use it as in a good way or in a bad way, okay? And Jeff Kent is like, oh, okay, all right, uh, let's let's be friendly. That the 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 agreement struck between Jeff Kent and Penner was, I don't think I've ever seen a more half agreed to alliance from both sides than that particular handshake. Both men basically acknowledged, "I'm going to use you until I can't use you anymore." Agreed, agreed. Okay. Yeah, really was, strange way to make an alliance. It was I, I funny. It was it was straight. It was like two men hugging that didn't want to hug. Yeah, well, it was a four finger handshake. Is exactly what that was. I, I like how people rationalize their breaking of agreements in Survivor, whatever yeah. it might be. Right? Like, okay, I'll give you four fingers, so that doesn't really count. And I, that's why Survivor is fascinating, is because at a certain level, everyone has to draw a line somewhere, and, and you're free to draw it wherever you'd like and rationalize exactly how, however you've come to that conclusion. Yeah, everybody, if everybody has decided, like, well, I said I swear to God on my kids, but I didn't say which God. I said, you know, I swear <laughs> exactly, to exactly. Allah, but I believe in uh, exactly. Jesus, so it didn't matter. Or, you know, uh, yeah. or uh, like on Big Brother this season, we, we had, uh, you know, I swore, I swore on, uh, on my wife, but I love my wife so much, so I'm really doing this for her. Uh, so it's very dicey. All this swearing. It very really... dicey. It's very dicey. At the end of the day, you've you got to be intuitive when you're out there, and you have to listen to people and, and kind of see, again, we've talked about this before, where are people sleeping, who are they, who are they talking to when, when, when it's not strategy, who are they relaxing next to. Um, and that's why I thought it was really interesting, though, that, that Penner did choose Jeff Kent to be the guy that he revealed it to because he intuitively understood that it was Kent who was gunning for him. Um, he couldn't, I don't think he could have chosen a better person um, to, to go after as an alliance mate but also a more challenging person to win over onto his side. Now, do you like the move of going to Kent with the idol, or do you think it would be a better move to go with the people on like the bottom rungs of the alliance and saying, hey, let's get out Jeff Kent, I've got the idol? Right. Well, I, you know, I think that the play to pull in Jeff Kent was dangerous in the sense that Jeff Kent has a lot of power in his, in his tribe, from what we've seen. Um, and, and it seems like a lot of people follow Jeff Kent. So if he can pull over the leader of that group, well, then he has power over that entire group. Um, but obviously, Jeff Kent doesn't want to submit to Penner. Um, and so it's, it's a lot more work rather than him pulling, let's say, Red Gene Carter. Um, that that <laughs> seems like that a lot name. easier. Uh, have, um, you, have you ever given or been on the receiving end of a four-finger handshake on Survivor? I, I never have been. I never have been. Fortunately, I, I haven't been there. 
Um, but you know, I think, I think Jeff Kent kind of alluded to his, his, uh, uh, tepid, um, excitement over that, that alliance before he even shook hands. He said, I'm going to, I'm going to do this until I, I, until you're not useful for me anymore. I think something to that extent, which was strangely, um, honest and, and almost too honest. Yeah. I think Jeff Kent is looking like he came to play, and it's very refreshing for me because I thought after I still had the bad Jimmy Johnson taste in my mouth. Oh yeah, where, see, I yeah, I'm right there with you. I'm really happy that Jeff Kent came to play Survivor. Jimmy Johnson was not willing to get dirty. He wasn't really willing to roll his sleeves up. Now, granted, I think that's somewhat a function of his age, but um, I don't think that he really understood just how much uh, suffering goes on out there. Uh, but it looks like Jeff Kent's ready. But yeah. did did somebody give him a knee brace? Uh, I'm not sure. That's it, I have read that it seemed like he mysteriously did get a knee brace all of a sudden. But I'm 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 cool with that. I'm fine with that. You're okay with a knee brace? Yeah. I, I, I you know I I think that uh, it definitely lets him stay in the game longer. But I don't know if I'm okay with him getting a knee brace. I mean, has that is are we in uncharted waters? Has this never happened before? Where somebody's gotten some sort of a brace like that? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess people have gotten ace bandages, so maybe it's all right. It, it doesn't affect the game too much, but it, it does let him stay in the game. I don't have a problem. I mean, he didn't go out of the game and then come back fitted with the, the sort of brace. I mean, I, I'm okay with people receiving some attention and staying in the game. I would rather yeah, you see know, I that. Yeah, got, I got stitched up. I, I wouldn't have been able to stay in the game on day 39 if I didn't get stitched up, so I'm in no, no space to, to talk either, I suppose. Yeah, although in a season where people are – returning who were all medevaced out of the game i'm sure there's a lot of like hey how come i had to leave <laughs> exactly i'm yeah. sure i'm sure that's happening i i um so so let's get back to this tribe with penner i i don't know the names of the tribes very well let's just call them red tribe i believe they're um, uh calabar that's the name of this tribe yes it, it, fantastic um so it so you have you have penner and then you have kent and then who else do you have on that tribe how many names can you name well, Carter. Obviously, you have Red Jean Carter. Right, Red uh, Jean Carter. Fantastic. I believe there is a uh, girl named Dawson. Uh, I Dawson believe... has yet to say a word on screen, right? Um, yeah, I, <laughs> I'm not sure if she has. She did in the first episode. She said she knows who Jeff Kent is. Right, 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 right. That's uh, I believe okay. there's another girl named Katie, and I think the third girl there is named is is she Dawn? Shane. What, she, no. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. We'll have to Google it. She has but blonde I, hair. You know, so here's my biggest problem with the season. It's not that we don't get to know them. It's just that when they don't let us know who they are, we know they didn't win. <laughs> Interesting. And that takes, it, that takes away a lot of the excitement, right? Um, for example, two episodes ago, the only two tribes where there was any question on who was going home was the uh, – was the, the, the re- I guess it was the Yellow Tribe and, and Russell Swan's tribe. And then the Yellow Tribe was the first to win. So you knew then that the Red Tribe had to finish second, and then it was the Blue Tribe going to Tribal Council just because of the way they edited it together. And, and that's, that's my biggest qualm with the season is that we're not seeing enough of the people, and so it's really letting us know there's only four or five people to pay attention to. Uh, interesting point. I mean, I think that it's early still, and we could see people – emerge i mean i don't think we saw a ton of kim spradlin last season i don't think that we saw a ton of sophie g clark along the way uh and yeah, Natalie... but you saw enough you saw enough i remember kim sticking out to me 
after the first uh, first episode, second episode, where maybe I, I wasn't too familiar with her, but she did stick out as someone who could potentially have won it. Well, you have the, the trained eye of the tiger, the winner's <laughs> eye. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. And spot the winner from a mile away. Uh, well, you know, I, I, I would like to think that it's Denise this season, but who knows? How about Natalie White? Natalie White, that she came out of nowhere, too. I mean, I don't know. Who do you think wins this season, Rob? Well, I guess, I mean, I would not be surprised if any of the returning players uh, w- were to win this game. I feel like uh, I, I like the, uh, the Malcolm-Denise twosome. If RC can survive the sort of... Abby Maria. Yeah, if she can survive that firestorm and sort of stick with scooping, I think she, I think she'll be uh, she'll be all right. But I think it's yeah, it does seem like the, there are some strong contenders and then a weak field. Yeah, exactly. So, and that, that's my biggest thing is is that when you when you have such a uh, when you have eighteen contestants and three tribes, that you're you're kind of signaling to the viewers who who's going to at least has a shot at winning this thing. Yeah. Um, so do you think that there's any scenario where the Penner Kent alliance could actually work? Do you think that's possible? Yeah, I mean, I I, I think that is as challenging as it's going to be to bridge the gaps between those two men, specifically all the ego involved in both of them. If they can do it, they stand a chance to 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 go really far with each other. Um, you know, and I think that Penner would be willing to take Jeff Kent to the end because Jeff Kent has made however many millions of dollars as a professional baseball player. Mm -hmm. And Kent would be willing to take Penner because Penner's been here before. And why would you vote a guy who's already been here the winner? But here's the wrinkle for Penner. He doesn't know yet that Kent is a baseball player. That's true. That's very true. So, so Penner, Penner might not be as ambitious in taking Jeff Kent to the finals. But at some but there's point, a long way to go, and I think I think what 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 Penner understands is there's a long way to go, and you, he's just trying to piecemeal this thing to the final merge. Yeah, and it could be very interesting if Penner could get that information, and would he be able to leverage that information to say to the other people uh, how Jeff Kent has all this money? Right. Exactly. Turn the tables on Kent, who's trying to get say. Who's saying, uh, hey, let's get rid of this guy. He's a returning player. And then Penner could say, let's get rid of this guy. He's a baseball player. Right, exactly. And and I think both of those arguments are ridiculous arguments about why someone should go home. But I also think that any argument about why someone should go home is a ridiculous argument, unless it has to do with numbers. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it could be very, a very interesting, uh, you know, dynamic between these two. A very uneasy truce so far. Yeah, I'm excited to see. I mean, they, they kind of allude to more of this truce uh, building and relationship building happening next episode. So I'm, I'm, I'm anxious to see that. I'm anxious to see the Yellow Tribe splinter and see where the, uh, where the lines of loyalty actually lie. And, and I'm, I'm confident that the Blue Tribe isn't going give, to give us much more drama because they've been reduced down to their, their, the most prime of numbers. Yeah, you got to think that the Blue Tribe is going to be able to pull it out next week, right? Yeah, they, they, two strong men, and Denise is a very strong woman, and, they're, and, they're, and there's intelligence there. They're, they're definitely going to, going to win, if not finish second. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Um, so uh, anything else from this episode? Do you want to talk about some of these? Uh, I have uh, many questions for you, uh, Mr. Bushkowskis. Yeah, let's, let's hear the questions. Okay, here we go. These have come to us every week. From the uh, listeners on the Rob Has a Podcast Facebook fan page. 
And uh, so uh, here we go. Let's let's start it right up. Got a lot of a lot of questions today, and uh, the first of which is going to come to us from uh, a man named uh, Dave Hunter. Uh, he says, uh, "Does Otis see a lot of himself uh, in Malcolm as a player? They seem to be portrayed in the exact same way, mental and physical. Do you see Malcolm as a as a younger version of yourself?" Uh, I, I love Malcolm's game. I think that's a huge compliment to me to say that I'm like Malcolm. Um, yeah, I, I do. I, I think Malcolm, Malcolm's probably a better version of me. A better um, version? A, Impossible. Impossible. He's better he looking. Might... His hair is better. Um, he may have better hair. And um, Yeah, seems like a really good athlete, and he seems like he's got his finger on the pulse in terms of what's happening in his, his very small tribe. But yeah, I like his game a lot. Yeah, it's a, it's a good game. Gotta like gotta like Malcolm so far. I think I think Malcolm's. If I'm going to be really objective, I think Malcolm's a little more likable than I was on my season. I think maybe I, I was a little more standoffish than Malcolm is. But um, yeah, yeah. And you didn't do as much snuggling as Malcolm did. I did not. There was some heavy petting going on um, on your season. I, I would have been. Say that again. On your season? No, no, no. With Malcolm and Angie. With Danielle DiLorenzo? Lorenzo. There was no snuggling with. Dan- Full disclosure, I, I, I was, you know, thinking, wow, Danielle's a beautiful girl. Um, I'm, I'm certainly glad that uh, she has a boyfriend because I would not like to get caught up in a, a romantic relationship on Survivor. Are you saying that there was a possibility of a showmantic relationship? <laughs> I'm saying there was a chance. There was a, whoa. Uh, there was a chance. I, but she wasn't open to it, and fortunately for me, I never, it never went anywhere. So I, I, I had a... a a pre-meet crush on Danielle when we were in the casting process. I was like, ooh, that girl's really cute. Really? Who would win in a bikini contest? Uh, Double D, Danielle DiLorenzo, or Angie, the cookie lady, Layton? Ooh, I'm going to go with Danielle. Danielle. Danielle was uh, more of an athlete, I think. Yeah. And her doctor was more subtle in his work. (laughs) Wow. Danielle, the Danielle subtle doctor. Maybe he could get that endorsement uh, on his website for uh, Danielle DiLorenzo's <laughs> work. Was very subtle. Uh, exactly. exactly. A- uh, I'm, not, I'm not saying he was very subtle. He was more subtle than Angie's he was, doctor. Chose. He was more subtle than Angie's doctor. Uh, <laughs> a ringing endorsement. Uh, Kel, Kel Sherman wants to know, uh, Otis, did you think your music has gained a wider audience since your last appearance on Rob as a Podcast about six months ago? Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I was stoked to see the support from your listeners, Rob, for my music. It was really uh, um, supportive. To, well, to, to use a word that's been used already once in the sentence. I got nothing but high praise uh, from people who uh, loved hearing uh, your song on the end of the podcast. I only got one complaint, and now it happened to be it was poor timing by me that I did a song parody during that podcast, and uh, one person heard started hearing my song parody, uh, the, uh, the Rob Has a Podcast classic uh, to the tune of Nazareth, It's Dirt, and said, uh, wow, Otis is a horrible singer. But it turned out that that was actually me doing a song parody in that same episode. <laughs> That's too bad. I, I feel like I feel like I would have appreciated at least one piece of, of negative feedback. It would have spun me out and made me want to become a better singer. Now, <laughs> now I'm big headed and fat, and I'm not going to work on my game at all. Uh, I saw on uh, Facebook you were you were making a, a music video. We are. We're making a new music video. Um, it's a split screen music video. Um, it's a really interesting concept. The, the song I wrote the song when I uh, I 
I, I thought I was dating a girl. I was under that impression. And then this, this specific girl like never called me back to tell me that we weren't dating anymore. Um, cause I don't think she thought we were dating. And so then I, I wrote this song to try to understand it. So I wrote it from two perspectives. Wow. And that was th- three years ago. But when you're making a music video, the nice thing is, is you get to retell the story from, from a perspective you're in now, which is what I got to do. So the, the music video is a split screen music video. And essentially the story that we're trying to tell is that no matter how similar it seems the the other person's perspective and yours at the end of the day it's really mostly just projection which is something that you see on survivor as well to try to tie it all together here is that so much of what people think is happening is just what they're projecting onto other people and if they're not paying attention it's really easy to get blindsided yeah absolutely and uh very interesting and uh, yeah in on the island that for all these people in the game in each of their minds is a movie of what the TV show Survivor looks like. And in all, like, for, let's take Red Jeans Carter, for example. He is the star of the Survivor that's taking place in his mind. <laughs> it's and- funny, because I was actually thinking about Red Jean Carter while I was watching this episode, and I thought, I wonder, while he was, like, going to get water, if he thought, boy, they're going to have me all over this this episode. I'm, it's going to be great. And then when he's, like, back home watching with his family... And he gets like one shot of him walking with his back to the camera. What what that feels like? Yeah. So it's I think that you've uh, really tapped into something uh, interesting, and uh, yeah, can't wait to see the new video. Yeah, yeah. So if if you go onto YouTube and you type in the word "odd" and the word "us," O D D U S, um, and and the the song is called "Sword in the Stone," and it's not out on YouTube yet, but there is a making of. Um, and it's pretty self-deprecating. So if you want to watch that, it's, it's funny. Um, and, and we're actually, we're working with some, uh, some different blogs and whatnot to see who wants to do an exclusive premiere of the video to try to get as many views as possible. I know that sounds really, uh, strange to say exclusive premiere, but, um, People Magazine might be doing it. And so that, that would obviously get a lot more. Oh, views well, than just, I, just my Facebook page, well, which you'll get about twelve views. <laughs> I would I would throw the uh, Rob has a podcast hat into there. I don't know if we could beat People Magazine, but we would certainly uh, th- if it's a contest. Yeah, well, I, the thing about your fans, Rob, is that they they are very interactive, which is nice. Um, but we'll definitely do something with you guys for sure. Okay, well, let um, us know when it drops. Well, maybe what we'll do is we'll do the exclusive radio version for people magazine where there's no cursing and then the version with the curse words i think rob has a podcast and maybe just take just jump on that i didn't know you did explicit lyrics i do i drop an f-bomb in this song oh look at you yeah no no it's just my way of letting my mother know she can't control me anymore <laughs> yeah that's right <laughs> <laughs> uh mike skull wants to know how long will it take for the yellow tribe to notice the idol is missing from the rice container so uh, I thought this is sort of an interesting twist from the producers here that they put the uh, immunity idol in a place where people are going to say, hey, wasn't that a thing there? Yeah, Fantastic it- twist. It's maybe the best work the producers have done in a few seasons um, because it, it, it forces that conversation to happen you know, around the dinner table almost because it is the, the, you know, the rice container. Um, and so and you saw what happened. I don't think if that conversation doesn't happen on the Red Tribe, I don't think Penner says anything. Yeah, I think well, Penner was sort of like uh, he he was saying like, uh, yeah, it was right, th- it was right there. Um, so <laughs> he played along with it until he, did, he eventually. He did a pretty good job. I mean, he, he's he's uh, he's done a pretty good job of 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 showing people what they want to see out yeah. there. 
you know, but, but I think Jeff Kent was just too uh, astute for that. Yeah. So I don't know. I think that if the yellow tribe just said like, Oh, Mike Scoopin probably broke it. That's probably <laughs> what happened to the thing on the rice. Yeah. I mean, it'll be interesting to see. Um, I think RC is going to notice and I think RC is going to be the one that says, Hey, where is this? Um, <laughs> where is it? <laughs> I, I think invariably it's going to come up. I, I bet next episode there's a conversation about it. Yeah. Uh, so Alex uh, Photopolis, uh, he wants to know, do you think that Bruce should have been one of the medically evacuated returnees this season? Yes. Should this have been the return of Bruce to Survivor? I would have loved to seen Bruce out there. Um, I, I can't get into the head of why Bruce wasn't chosen, the head of the producers as to why Bruce wasn't chosen or why Colton wasn't chosen. Um, I, I think judging by by the people they selected, I think they tried to find three um, equally physically formidable contestants and, and as, as amazing of a man as Bruce is, I think he's a little older than these guys. So maybe, maybe they were worried that if they put Bruce out there, they might have to evacuate him one more time. Oh no. Oh no. Please, please. Uh, with that being said, Bruce is amazing and, um, and deserves to go out there again. Absolutely. Uh, Carl, Carl Hedlund wants to know, why wasn't Zane able to champion his nicotine demons like Shane did? Is this simply a case where Shane's tribes won long enough for him to stabilize, or is Shane just that awesome? Can it be both? Uh, Shane was pretty awesome. Shane was the king of the five-minute conversation. You know, he could win you over in five minutes. And it looks like Zane kind of had that thing, too. Um, I, I, my suspicion is with Zane is that he scared too many people when he said, I made an alliance with everybody out here. I'm going to king me. Um, I think maybe that that wasn't the smart thing to say. Um, I love Zane, however, and I do hope he returns. I don't know if he he made it to the the All-Stars, but I hope he does. It seems unlikely, but you never know. You never know. I I, I mean, I I think, well, I'm going to keep my, no, I'm not going to keep my opinion to myself. What the hell? I think that next season we're going to see a couple of people who got voted out first back out there. Okay. Well, uh, look at Otis making predictions. That's like my. A, that's. I think Zane. I think Zane kind of asked for a couple of first offs to come back. Nostradadas. Nostradadas. <laughs> yeah, Making, calling his shots here for Survivor Twenty Six. Uh, Zane was fantastic, though. Zane so far has definitely been the fillet of the season. Okay. Uh, Austin uh, Buist wants to know: uh, Would you compare Malcolm and Denise's relationship to the relationship between you and Sari on your season? I would. I think that's a good comparison. I think that uh, both relationships um, have a lot of synergistic value, um, and both are unlikely, right? You would assume that it would be Malcolm and Angie, which to a certain degree that was happening, but really the, uh, the core engine of, of, of that island was Malcolm and, and Denise. Yeah, okay. Just like you would assume maybe Aris and, and Danielle, but it ended up being Suri and Otis, so Okay, there are you... Go. Are you ready for a ding, marry, kill today? Let's do it. All right. Can we just say, can we say fuck, marry, kill, or yeah, do we have you, to say ding? I, you know, I say, I say ding. I try to, I think, I, I do hear from people, they, they listen to the podcast and they have like their, their kids in the car. Oh, uh, right. I'm okay, not, well then let's say ding. Let's say yeah, in honor I, of the children in carpool, let's say ding. Yeah, I try to, I try as a general rule to sort of, uh, to, to keep, not that I have any sort of like moral. Yeah, Cursing is somewhat unbecoming. Yeah. Just try to keep so, it, uh, have a wide I, I audience. My, my issue is that this particular game only resonates when I use the F-bomb. But uh, I'll you, use Ding for, for our carpoolers. There you go. So, uh, Ding, Mary Kill, we have Angie, we have Courtney, and we have Lisa. 
Ooh, Angie, Courtney. And this is and from uh, Matthew Wojcic. He wants to know this. So is this Courtney from my season? <laughs> yes. Okay, this is, this is too easy. I kill Courtney, I ding Angie, and I marry Lisa. Yeah, that is pretty easy. That was <laughs> yeah, it's like no-brainer. I don't think I could have chosen a better combination of, of survivors. Yeah. Paolo like Lisa Ar- would be a wonderful wife. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, she's, and she's on the market. That's true. She's Newly ready single. to go. She's ready to go. So Paolo Arago wants to know, who's more annoying, Courtney from your season or Abby Maria? Have we established, is Abby Maria annoying? Uh, I find her very annoying. I find her, I mean, I find, I find her abrasive, but, but beyond that, I, I do find her annoying in the fact that she's unwilling to listen to RC's um, seemingly intellectual uh, arguments or, or, or comments. I, 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 but I don't think Abby Maria stands or holds a candle to Courtney's level of annoyance out there. Yeah. Okay. Um, how about another, uh, ding, Mary kill? Let's um, do it. All right. Here you ready. Uh, how about Penner, Terry, and Bruce? Ooh. <laughs> okay. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ding Penner um, just because I, 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 I can't imagine myself dinging Bruce or Terry. I'm going to marry Terry, and I'm going to kill Bruce. Okay. So, Terry, Terry would make a fantastic partner. I um, think so. Irresponsible you know, he, guy. He's upbeat. He's positive. And, um, you know, he's, he's handsome. So at least you're waking up next to beauty every day. I think so. Yeah. I think that would, that would be a fair choice all around. And then, uh, you're, you're dinging Penner and killing Bruce. Well, yeah. I mean, well, first of all, I think anytime you're going to give me three guys, who's pitching and who's catching, like that's, <laughs> well, that's, that's gotta be considered. I think you kind of work that out. Well, I guess you don't work you, you that, out, out, that, you that out. You figure that out when you get paired off, huh? Yeah. Well, I think that you, I, I think you, you know that going in. I think that's part of it. I think if you're, if you're figuring that out in the room, I think you're doing it wrong. Right, right. You got to know if you're a bottom. You gotta, going I think in. you got to know who you are. It, it, okay, it's right. true in all in all parts of life. You have to. You right, know, right, right, right. Okay, all right. Well, maybe I need to do some soul searching before you ask me another all male question. Yes, like <laughs> maybe you and Penner could have <laughs> at least have the preliminary conversation. Uh, well, because maybe, that, the reason that I chose Penner is like, at least I feel like that conversation would be interesting. It would be interesting. We could delve into the pluses and minuses of it. Uh, it may give new meaning to the four finger handshake, though. <laughs> Not touching that one. <laughs> Okay. Uh, John DeBona wants to know, how many fingers must be included in a handshake to be legitimate? Is there a quorum for fingers in a handshake? Well, if there is a quorum, then then it looks like Jeff Kent has has uh, has forced himself into something with Penner, right? Yeah. I mean, and, and do you consider the thumb a finger? So four-finger handshake, that's the whole hand. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Uh, let's see. There's, how- there's a lot of wiggle room here. A lot of gray. A lot of a lot of great yeah, Fifty Shades, even. Okay, Oof. so <laughs> and it just keeps coming back to this. We can't escape it, can we? No, uh, that's uh, you know that's uh, your your night with Penner. That could be Fifty Shades of Grey. Um, so Fifty Shades of Great. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, uh, Jeff Crowell wants to know, Otis, what is the worst glass-related injury? Slipping and falling on a champagne glass, or having your diving goggles explode in your face? Oof. Well, I, 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 given the fact that uh, that Scoopin was able to recover from that really quickly, I mean, he let's let's take a moment to just talk about what actually happened. The goggles break on his face. He's bleeding. 
And then he gets out of the water and hands the goggles to RC and doesn't tell her not to put them on. They're broken. <laughs> what was that? Yeah. That was incredible. That was, that was unbelievable. Um, but yeah, I'd much rather do what Scoopin did than do what I did. Yeah, I think so. Okay. Uh, how about uh, Otis? This is from Liam Carlson. He wants to know, you have a lot of experience in dealing with dysfunctional alliances. Which alliance do you think will most likely end up like yours? Um, which one? Which I'm going to assume that he's talking about our initial big group. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that you're already kind of seeing it with the with the Yellow Tribe. I think Ab, Abi Maria and 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 RC. That's obviously done. And I, I would I would venture to guess that any alliance with Abi Maria has the chance of imploding at any given time. Now Liam has another question, which I think is interesting, uh, and for for both of us to answer. Uh, he says uh, last week. Kim told you that she cuddled with her tribe mates, even though she was on an all female tribe. Uh, did you mm-hmm. cuddle with your teammates, even though you were on an all male tribe? Now, both of us played survivor at one point in time on an all male tribe. Was there any cuddling for, or huddling for warmth between, uh, the men in your short lived all male tribe? You know what? There wasn't on in our tribe, but I think that's just a function of the fact that we just got there and we were all very camera, um, conscious, but I think had had we had we been out there a little longer, I think we would have cuddled. It was raining, and we—I don't know if you recall our season shelter that we built, but um, it did everything but keep the rain and wind out. Um, it was kind of like an all-inclusive shelter where everything was allowed to fall on us, and it got so cold that that had I known the other guys better and had had I been more comfortable in front of the camera, I think we would have taken off our shirts and, and kept warm that way. Um, but we didn't know each other, so we, I don't think any of us were willing to, uh, to to breach that. Yeah, and I can also say that uh, there was not any cuddling happening in the all-male team on Survivor of the Amazon. Uh, that, that didn't happen. That didn't happen either. But it didn't get that called, I have to say. Well, who knows? Yeah, what you know, I, I, think, I think that's an interesting question. And, and I guess the reason I think that's an interesting question is because, um, you know, obviously there's so much homophobia when it comes to men um, in our culture. And and obviously when you're out there on Survivor, when you first start out, you are very cognizant of um, how you're portrayed. But at a certain le- at a certain at a certain point in time, you switch, and you don't really, at least in my experience, you don't care about the camera anymore. It it becomes very real your experience out there. And I think like had it been an all male tribe before, 25 days in, and it's raining and we don't have any shelter, I think we would have cuddled in in in, in a non sexual way. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Uh, not in a homosexual way. That's the that's Survivor talk. Uh, <laughs> so I had a uh, in Survivor All Stars. I did have a uh, you know we did have a rainy night, and I did get probably uh, closer with Sue Hawk than I've ever been in my entire life. So that's all. That's all I'm going to say about that. Wow. Wow. Well, why don't why don't you delve into that a little bit more? Let's, let's hear <laughs> about that. Really, that's that's really the whole story. That's not really much more <laughs> much more details. Was there any abdominal petting? <laughs> there were no four finger handshakes. There were no abdominal <laughs> abdominal. Can you petting. just imagine though being either Malcolm or Angie, and you're at home and you're watching this episode with your family, and that that's what they show? Can you imagine the uh, <laughs> just the embarrassment that probably happened for them? I don't think that they mind. I think that they're they're young enough. It's not like a Ted and Gandia type deal where. But I don't know. I just feel like that was such an intimate move. The abdomen pet. 
you know? I wouldn't want anyone to know my, my move, move before the main move, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, that was the lock that unlocked the other locks, and I would just feel like that's for me to know that I do that. I don't do the abdominal pet, but I'm thinking about including it, you know? Yeah. It's, a, it's a strong move. It's a good, it's a good move. Um, it's a great steal, move. I might have to steal that move. I don't have a move. Yeah, uh, that's, neither do I. Uh, all right, Gary Dreslinski, okay, two-part question. He wants. He says, uh, "Love the album. Where can people to go to hear more of your music? And what have been your favorite albums of 2012? Do you have any other favorite albums uh, from other art uh, from Ooh. other artists? Yeah, yeah, I do. I love Jessica Hoop. It's spelled J E S C A, and then Hoop H O O P. I think she's fantastic. Um, let's see. I, I guess Bon Iver's album was a 2011 album, but that's that's also a favorite of mine. Um, and where can you go to hear more of my music? My music, well, I've only released that seven-song EP. Um, I'm actually going into the studio tomorrow to record another song. So, um, you know, just keep, uh, keep an eye out. And if you're in L.A., you come to a show, we play all sorts of new music every show. So, Okay. Uh, good stuff. I, I have the CD, and I, and I like it, and uh, I, li- I like the book, too. Thanks, yeah, yeah. I, uh, you know, it was, a, uh, it was one of those things where I, I, I'm, I'm obviously not a... Uh, signed to any kind of major record label or any record label for that matter. So yeah. I, I looked at the whole thing as a big art project and I figured when I'm 60 years old and I look back, um, I want to be able to look back and say I gave that thing, that project, everything it needed. And, and the book kind of just seemed like the obvious choice for the story. All right. And last question. Uh, this is from Brandon Glenn. He wants to know what survivors would look best in a Tundra hat. Do you have the answer to this question? <laughs> <laughs> Which survivors would look best in the Tundra hat? Um, well, I think, um, you know, unfortunately, the, the Tundra hat doesn't make ugly people look better. Yeah. Um, uh, but thankfully, Survivor is quite biased in who they cast. They don't cast very many ugly people. Rob, can you think of an ugly person who's been on Survivor? Oh, uh, well, uh, I will try not to be uh, too self-deprecating. Uh, yeah, let's not answer. do that. You're a handsome gentleman. Uh, <laughs> You're a, if you were, come on. You're uh, you're a very handsome fella. Yeah, I, I've been told I have a face for podcasting, uh, but uh, you get that, that radio face. <laughs> so I mean, I'm sure there are there are uh, you know more aesthetically pleasing survivors uh, than others. Um, I, I, are you asking me to name who are the ugliest survivors? Is that the question? <laughs> I right kind now? of was calling you out. I mean, if you're comfortable with that, I, I don't know. I, I'm not going to do it. I think that's why I kind of shucked the responsibility. On oh, well, your the quest, you didn't. You didn't have to turn it around. They asked you what survivors would look best in a tundra hat. You don't have to tell us who would look the worst in a tundra hat. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I went there. It's a, this. There's a lot of shadow over me right now. I'm going in a dark place. Um, who would look best in a tundra hat? Well, my favorite. Survivors. Um, I think Bobby John is very handsome. Mm-hmm. I think that um, Kat Anderson is very beautiful. Yes. Um, I think that. Um, How about this? Who could pull it off? Give us, give us a couple of guys and a couple of girls. Uh, mostly any any attractive well, I, girl is gonna looks good in the tundra hat. So we we pretty my, much. Know. I think the most attractive female on Survivor, in my humble opinion, was Tina, and and that's only because Tina Wesson. Yeah, she has such a, a wonderful personality that she's my favorite. Um, and, um, and and the other reason that I give you that answer is because I'm pretty sure that my girlfriend will be listening. Yeah, I was going to say, not really coming off like a straight so... shooter here with the Tina answer. <laughs> no, I think, well, if, if you give me a season, I'll choose who I think we're the most beautiful. How about we play that game? <laughs> uh, how about, all right, Survivor, Survivor Philippines. We don't have to go through all the seasons. Okay, That's all right, Survivor Philippines. Um, my, my favorite is, 
or or was Angie. Yes, she would look uh, very I, very uh, good in a, a tundra hat, depending on yeah. which team. Yeah, again, but I, uh, I, 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 I actually. She was my favorite, but, but there was no strong, strong favorite this season for me. Last season felt like a bit of an aberration in terms of the, the level of beauty. In a good way or a bad way? In a good way. This well, season, not so much. Yeah. I mean, not that anyone's bad looking, but there's just no one who I'm like, whoa. Okay. Typically, uh, the way that I watch Survivor, I watch it with my girlfriend, and we get to choose one person <laughs> from each season who could be a free cheat. Whoa! Uh, uh, I mean, it's is... all hypothetical. We don't actually do it. Yeah, I mean, it'd I mean, be a little bit. It would be a little bit unfair since I'm the one that gets to go to Survivor. Yeah, I was gonna say, you have can't have that. You, that <laughs> leads to a lot of awkward conversations. If you... well, see, last season, Christy's favorite was Jay. Yeah, and when Jay got voted out, she was really disappointed. And and last season, my favorite. Well, and, and we and we do it from the start, so we don't get to know them. We like look at the pictures and we choose before yeah. we see them. My favorite was Cat. Okay, there you go. <laughs> so. Yeah, you know that's just that's just the way. Yeah, the I'm way not. It even, I'm so glad Nicole's not even on this podcast. I, I'm not even going to tell her about this game. This game exists. Yeah, don't. In fact, let's just delete this whole section. <laughs> Gone. Who knows? Who knows? Gone. My my sweet beautiful girlfriend. And, and real quick, uh, who are the guys that could pull off a tundra hat from Survivor? Uh, it's Bobby a short John. list. Yeah, Bobby, Bobby John. Bobby John, obviously. Um, Ozzy. Ozzy, yeah, Ozzy definitely could. Not Penner. Um, yeah, you know, I think Penner could, but I, I see Penner wearing them like on the slopes up at like I don't know Tahoe or yeah. or like Park Park City. But Ozzy could just wear it anywhere. You know? Fabio could pull it off, I bet. Yep, absolutely, Fabio. <laughs> what can't Fabio pull off? Uh, well, I think he's uh, a father now. He's a father. Did you know that? No, Fabio has a kid. Yeah, I think his kid's like four or five months old now. What? Yeah. Oh my god. Oh my God! It, that uh, well, congratulations to Fabio. But yeah, 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 totally. That, that uh, wow, this is uh, yeah, I, this is like finding out big news on the air. I don't have to. Uh, my reaction. You're, yeah, no, I. It's a cronkite cronk, cronk <laughs> reaction news. you're having here. <laughs> congratulations, Fabio! Where another survivor baby is born. That's right. That's right. I, I look forward to when we all age enough so they have a season of just. Children of Survivor contestants. Yeah, the Survivor <laughs> Survivor Kids edition. That's good. Uh, right, exactly. All right. And Terry's well, children can rectify the situation with my children. <laughs> I can make an exact revenge. Perfect. Uh, Otis, thank you so much for coming back on uh, with us. Uh, tell us what, one more time. How can we check out your music? Yeah, if you go to oddus.com, so O-D-D-U-S.com, that's our website um, where you can buy the album and listen to it. But if you want to just check out some of the music videos we have online, go to YouTube and type in the words Odd Us and, uh, and Home, and you can see our, our, our first music video. And if you type in the words Sword in the Stone, you'll see uh, what we've been working on and that we're going to release in a few days. All right. Well, great work, my friend. No sophomore slump here. Thanks, Rob. Uh, I appreciate that. Look, looking forward, looking forward to podcast number three. Yeah, and, me uh, too, man. Have me back anytime. I I love Survivor. So all right. Well, you know, along the way, if you have, if you ever have something that you, I know sometimes you get like really excited. You want to talk about something. We could, you know, just uh, you know, have you on for like uh, fifteen minutes or something. You know, down down the road, if you have something that's bur- uh, burning, you want to talk about, get off. Your yeah, chest. that'd be great. You know, it's funny enough because this last episode, I was I, obviously aware that I was coming on the show. I was like, man, it's too bad that this episode didn't have anything that really uh, sparked my interest. Um, but what I'll do is I'll just shoot you an email anytime something really fascinates me. Yeah, all right, sounds good, buddy. All right, cool, Rob. Well, thanks so much for having me on, and thanks all right, for take listening, care. everybody else. <laughs>
<laughs> Please. Bye. All right, everybody, there you have it. That was Adas Bushkow Kiss, the winner of Survivor Exile Island. And how about that? A Rob as a podcast first. Thanks, you guys, for listening. Way to go, Adas. Uh, we appreciate that. I'll give you a ding for that. So coming up next, we got a little bit of a surprise for you guys. We're going to delve into politics a little bit. And I know I said last week, we're not going to talk about politics on this show, only as they pertain to Survivor. We're not going to get into liberal, conservative, or whatever, but we're going to talk about what's going on with Rupert in Indiana in just a minute. But first, just want to remind you guys, Halloween is coming up, and you want to make sure you have your costume before it gets too late. So be sure to check out Amazon.com. has a wide selection of costumes. If you go to robhasawebsite.com slash costumes, you can check out everything that they have, whether you want to be something scary or something sexy. Uh, or just look at the pictures of something sexy, uh, you can do that at uh, robhasawebsite.com slash costumes, the shortcut to Halloween store on Amazon. All right, so now we're going to bring in a very special guest. Uh, He is our man on the ground in Indiana. He is telling us about what is about to be going on in the gubernatorial race, or make that the gubernatorial race yes that's right uh here he is our our indiana politics correspondent troy cockrum how are you troy i'm good how are you rob yes troy so we had the big debate last night uh politics are everywhere right now uh rupert boneham former three-time survivor is making a run for the governor's office in your home state of indiana Yes, he is. Yes. And now how excited as a Survivor fan and an Indiana resident are you, sir? Well, I'm very excited, but I can tell you most people I talk to uh, vaguely remember Rupert and don't even realize he's running. Oh, no. (laughs) This is not good. It is not good. Well, tell us a little bit about now what party is uh rupert a candidate of and uh, do we know what rupert is stands for he is part of the libertarian party um and so i looked into some of his issues um and he has a lot of uh, he's sounding uh quite a bit like a politician i was a little bit worried that he might not um but he seems to speak uh, intelligently on some of the issues um, I noticed he's very big into um, decentralizing government. Okay. Uh, he One issue that he's mentioned several times in the media is that the federal government, I'm not sure if you knew this, is looking into requiring farm equipment operators to have a commercial driver's license. And Rupert is against that. <laughs> this is a, wow, this is a big platform. So the federal government wants farmers to have a commercial driver's license to drive a tractor correct interesting is there a big problem with people driving tractors without a license well a lot of family farms have um multi-generations driving these tractors some of them may not even have a driver's license in general (laughs) and this would burden a lot of family farms is it hard to get a license uh, you know, I'm not, I don't know a lot about the commercial driver's license, but those are the same that like chauffeurs would have to get and yeah. bus drivers and things like that. So I would think that um, it would be 
somewhat difficult or at least uh, an extra expense that a lot of farmers don't really want. Yeah, it's a tough issue because I don't really know where – I know I don't like to talk politics too much <laughs> on this on this show, only as it pertains to Survivor. But I don't know I don't know if I want people driving around a tractor without some sort of <laughs> license of how to operate that machinery. Yeah, you don't um... – you don't see them on the roads too often, but when you do, they tend to cause a lot of issues. So, <laughs> yeah, hot button topic for for <laughs> Rupert. Uh, okay, so uh, how many other candidates are running right now? There's just uh, well, there's two others. Um, Mike Pence is a Republican. He's a current congressman, I believe, and John Gregg is running as a Democrat. He's the current Speaker of the House in Indiana. Um, and then there was a write-in candidate that um, has not garnered any any kind of support. Yes, is Rupert ahead of the write-in candidate in the polls? <laughs> um, they the polls that I've seen, they didn't include the write-in candidate. Um, the most recent poll that I that I found was early August. Okay. Um, the Republican candidate was garnering fifty percent. Okay. Of the vote. The Democratic candidate had 32%. The undecided had 15%. Okay. And Brent had 3%. All right. That's not nothing. <laughs> that's not nothing. That's that's more than that write-in candidate has, right? That is correct. All right. And so, you don't know. Rupert could – everybody knows Rupert waits until the end to make his move. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So – If that, he get that uh, 15% undecided vote – Yes. Uh, <laughs> Troy, have you been to any of Rupert's campaign events? I have not. Um, <clears throat> there haven't been any close to me yet that I've noticed. Um, and they, they're kind of strange campaign events. Yeah, they are. They're strange. In, in what way? The last one was last weekend was called Bowling with Rupert. <laughs> bowling with Rupert. Perfect. It was at a bowling alley, and uh, then it was followed by a motorcycle ride with Rupert. So. <laughs> well, that's dangerous. Now, first <laughs> off, do you need a commercial license to ride a motorcycle? Uh, I don't believe so. Yes. Okay. Because I think Rupert would then make that a big campaign point if it was. Yeah. <laughs> Probably. Um, I'm on the RupertForGovernor.com website, and if you would like to uh, check that out, go to RupertForGovernor.com. You can also, if you'd like to make a financial contribution to the, and this is not a paid endorsement, Rupert. I don't even think Rupert knows we were going to talk about him today, but he uh, there's a, there's a button there where you can uh, help support the cause for Rupert for Governor. Uh, do you like the Rupert for Governor logo, which is sort of a, a torch? Uh, is that now? Is that the Indiana state flag? Um, the, 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 the logo is similar to the flag. Yes, the Indian state flag is a navy blue like that with the, with a torch in the middle, and he's kind of yes. his logo is a variation off the Indian state flag. Now, so is it destiny that the logo of the state of Indiana is a torch, and that one day <laughs> a survivor would run that state? Could be, could be, and his his slogan is "It's our time." Yeah, uh, yeah. Shouldn't, shouldn't the slogan be roar? <laughs> well, I think, you know, it's, it's, it's 
he doesn't um he wears tie-dye in everything he does yes i've noticed he's getting much more subdued and now he's only wearing like tie-dye ties or or maybe a, a uh, t-shirt under a jacket so his his tie-dye is not as pronounced so i think he's trying to get a little bit more serious with himself yes will rupert at any point in the race will he shave his beard I'm guessing not. I'm pretty <laughs> sure he will not. Okay. Uh, have you seen any uh, Rupert bumper stickers or uh, <laughs> propaganda around town? Um, I've seen his RV um, in the last few months, maybe twice. Um, he does live somewhere near me, so um, it would be um not uncommon for me to see it around more often than probably other people yeah um, i have not seen any bumper stickers um i've i tried to get one of his yard signs but you have to order them in packs <laughs> oh well that in or something like if you that. have to order them in packs <laughs> okay and he won't he won't place the order till you send in the money so at least that's the way it appears on his website all right so. well that's fair i wouldn't i wouldn't be giving out packs of anything until somebody sent me the money <laughs> that's you know you're not going to get one over on uh governor boneham <laughs> that's right okay so uh we, we wish uh governor boneham the, the, or the future hopeful Governor Boneham, uh, the the very best in his campaign. Now, uh, have you decided, or or are you in one of the undecided? Will you be voting <laughs> for Rupert for governor? Um, I probably will vote for Rupert for governor. All right, um, there you go. I liked his um, his sort of reasoning for why he's qualified. Yes, to, to be governor. And I'm not sure if you knew this. Um, in the second time he was on Survivor, the show did something that they've never done before. Oh, they did a few things they never did before. But and what they, is that? They had a vote for fan favorite. Yes. And out of the 38 million people that voted, 34 million voted for Rupert. Yes. Who got more? Who got more votes uh, so far? Uh, the uh, write-in candidate in Indiana, or <laughs> me for fan favorite in uh, 2004? <laughs> Oh, that's a, I think uh, it could be pretty close to equal. <laughs> Probably equal, yeah. All right, well, I will say this for uh, candidate Rupert. Uh, I will formally endorse him for governor of Indiana uh, if he makes a campaign stop on Rob Has a Podcast. Until then, I'm undecided, I have to say. <laughs> But should should he make a campaign appearance on Rob as a podcast, you know, to the the tens of thousands of listeners of Rob as a podcast, uh, that could swing the election. Good. Swing at least some of those undecideds. So, well, I was thinking too. He they're having uh, some live debates coming up the next uh, three weeks. Oh, can we watch yes. them online? Uh, you probably can. Uh, WFYI is the local PBS affiliate that I think is I like going that. to air them. Um, so you can probably watch them online. Um, you can also go to IndianaDebateCommission.com and submit questions. Oh. Uh, that, not, that's, uh, don't I'm, tell the listeners of this show about <laughs> that you can now submit questions at the uh, IndianaDebateCommission.com. Uh, I think <laughs> – 
candidates uh ding marry kill uh sandra <laughs> fair play or russell hands uh please do not go to the indiana debate commission.com and submit questions for uh candidate rupert please Sa- save them all for uh if if he makes a campaign uh, appearance because I, I submitted two questions yeah so do, can you share what those questions were I submitted um, what is his opinion on Conan O'Brien's Amendment 26 that uh, reality show contestants who didn't win cannot question the uh, – Yes, oh, that's very – that's a great question. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, now Rupert did win America's Tribal Council. Does that count? Would he be exempt? I think we have to ask Conan himself. Maybe he can question the vice president with that. <laughs> Maybe. Um, and, then, and then I also submitted the question: If he could make, if he could add anything to the state of Indiana that would make it better, what would it be? And if he answers cookies, I'm sure. <laughs> well, well done, Troy. Well done. Good job. All right. Well, uh, keep us posted about what's going on. If this race tightens up, uh, definitely let us know. You're our man on the ground. You're our eyes and ears in the state of Indiana. Uh, and uh, as Rupert for Governor says, it's it's our time. We will find <laughs> out if it's Rupert's time uh, on uh, what what is when is the election? November what eighth? Ooh, I think yeah, somewhere around there, six maybe. That's what I was thinking. November All right, six. we'll we'll find out on on election day if Rupert will be uh you know turning the governor's mansion into some sort of a uh, underground beach layer. <laughs> uh, <laughs> And pa- painting, painting the governor's mansion tie-dye. We'll find out. Troy, thank you so much, buddy. Um, thank you. Take care. Thanks a lot. Bye. All right, everybody. There you have it. That was Troy Cockrum. He is our man on the ground in Indiana, our reporter covering the Rupert race for the governorship. So uh, maybe more on that as we go along here as we head towards uh, Election Day. So uh, let's segue a little bit and talk about uh, some Twitter and everything that's going on in the world of Rob Has a Podcast. Normally, we like to at least have uh, Nicole here for this stuff, but Nicole is uh, working uh, two days in a row, so she can't be with us. So unfortunately, uh, it's just going to be me, but I think we're still going to be able to have some fun with this stuff. So uh, here we go. This is from Twitter, and we always like to follow what the survivors are doing on Twitter. And uh, so here we have from Jonathan Penner on Twitter, and he says, Carter Williams had better get some airtime tomorrow, or I'm gonna unload a coconut below whoop-ass on somebody. Calabar kicked butt. Show it. And then he went on to say uh, he had some harsh words for Jeff Kent. He said, four-finger handshake. Talk about your bollocks. Well, sounds like from that, uh, Jonathan Penner was about ready to give a one-finger handshake after uh, watching that. Uh, of course, we'd love to hear what uh, Survivor Shannon had to say. Uh, he was thinking about stepping in and joining Stephen Fishback and myself on uh, Wednesday night. Uh, he was very excited to hear about the Survivor know-it-alls. Uh, he tweeted to uh, Rob Sestrino and Stephen Fishback, Y'all check this debate out. Uh, one of my favorite non-circumcised people is debating with Rob. And I, I really, I think he, I, I don't think he has that right. I don't think that uh, he's on top of that. Uh, so here we go. And then he, we have uh, Troy Zan, of course, uh, one of the favorite tweeters from uh, last season. He tweets, uh, watching this week's episode, hashtag Survivor Philippines, hallelujah, why didn't your prayers work? He's, he's all over Roxy. Then he tweets, 
Roxy is a cold, cold, uptight female. Judge not? Isn't that from your Bible? And then he says, uh, this Roxy chick is a bad apple. Don't trust a Christian on Survivor. Oh, my God. So, uh, Troy, and, and Troy Zan didn't even have a whole bunch of prayer people on his season. Could you imagine if he was on with uh, Coach and Brandon and all of those guys? Uh, speaking of Coach and Brandon, uh, one of our favorites, Sophie G. Clark, uh, she tweets to at uh, Andrea Belke, uh, Angie is almost as endearing as we are. Oh my God. Is there a tweet mance developing between Sophie G. Clark and Andrea Belke? It was a, a story that we will be following. Uh, f- on last week's show, we talked to uh, Kim Spradlin and she was asked who smelled the worst on the island. And she talked about Kat and she also said that Colton Cumby had very bad breath, uh, to which Colton took to Twitter this week and he tweeted, Spradlin said she'd marry me. Hashtag R-H-A-P. So how do you like that? Colton firing back. And another very active tweeter, Mike Scoopin, uh, was chatting it up with Brenchel. Uh, Mike Scoopin tweeted to Brenchel, uh, we need to get you two on Survivor someday. Who will be the first to win the trifecta Survivor slash BB slash A race? Uh, and Brendan tweeted back to uh, Mike Scoopin, would love Survivor, my kind of physical slash mental challenge. The question is, what item does Rachel bring? Well, I don't know if he's talking about a uh, luxury item because we haven't had those in uh, in quite some time. But we'll see if uh, Mike Scoopin is going to be now the third wheel with Brenchel. Otherwise, though, it was a quiet week on Twitter. Too much with the debate. And no, I'm not talking about uh, Rob and Steven, but uh, Dawn's Bread did manage to tweet at Rob Sesternino and Steven Fishback had a better debate than this Obama-Romney one. So that was from hashtag RHAP. Uh, on our comments today from our interview with Angie, Karen Van Raiden said, Rob, please make the What's Your Favorite Cookie segment a staple this season on your interview episodes with the latest voted off the show. Uh, I will do my best. Uh, We'll see. uh, Certainly, if anybody from Matt Singh shows up on these interview shows, we will check in with them as far as uh, what their favorite cookie is. And if, uh, you know, we ever run out of any good questions, we will certainly head back to What's Your Favorite Cookie. And Fuggy Bootling says, listen now as Rob interviews a young Joanna Ward. Uh, At least she didn't sing in tongues. Well, I don't know. I th- I liked. Uh, I think Roxy was uh, probably a better personality on the show than Joanna. I think that you could have like a normal conversation with Roxy, and I'm not sure if that was a possibility with uh, Joanna ever from my season. But uh, I liked Roxy. I don't know why. Uh, you know, I thought she was. F- I thought we had a fun interview last week. So uh, all uh, good stuff. So that's gonna do it for this week on uh, Rob has a podcast. Oh, I have a Halloween podcast. I'm going to check in with uh, Big Brothers Matt Hoffman, one of the uh, candidates for Mount Ratmore. We're going to kick off October with a Halloween-themed podcast, and we're going to talk about a film that was a cult classic while I was growing up, a film that was on uh, HBO all the time, the movie called Teen Witch, uh, which I thought was a good Halloween movie to sort of kick off October. And we're going to talk about that film. If you've seen it, I know that you will enjoy that one. And then for reality TV, we're going to be back on Tuesday for Rob has a web show covering the latest week of Amazing Race and previewing the next episode of Survivor. And then we do it all again next week, 9.15 p.m. Eastern, right after the episode. Stephen Fishback and I are the Survivor know-it-alls. We're going to break down everything that happened and then talk to the latest person that gets kicked off Survivor and then do the Survivor podcast all over again with you guys next week. So 
Thanks so much for coming on and uh, checking this show out with us. And thanks to Emily Rose Forster, our head of interns this week. And congratulations to Brandon Bryce on his upcoming stint as head of interns this week. And now for you sports fans out there, or maybe you Jets fans who need a reason to still look at football on Sundays, check out DraftStreet.com. You could play daily fantasy sports games with all of the baseball coming up, with all of the football this weekend. Check it out. Go to robhasawebsite.com slash DraftStreet. They'll match your deposit bonus 40% when you use the promo code RHAP. So to play us out, we're going to bring back uh, Mr. Adas. Yes, that's right. And we're going to hear a little bit of it. one of his latest tracks, The Sword and the Stone. Enjoy it, everybody. Hit me up on Twitter. Let me know what you thought about the show at Rob Sesternino. Have a great week. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Whoa, short and sweet, but it ran so deep. You were my favorite game. You run and hide, and I had to find. I hardly knew your name. Now you wanna leave, girl, especially I ain't chasing you If you walk away, I'll walk away And start forgetting about you Start forgetting about
rather have you.